wonderful morning this morning. And um, do you know, as we've seen each candidate stand up here, it reminds me that all of our lives, without exception, carry a story. Life really is, if you think about it, an unfolding story every day is another part, another piece to the story of our lives. When you look in the Bible, you see how a loving God intersects with the story of people's lives. Sometimes God would come and intersect in people's lives, in their story, when they were at a very low place. So many times you see that when you read the Bible. God coming in the low moments of people's lives and changing things around, turning things around. It's amazing, actually, how you can, in life, be going through such a low moment and meet God in that low moment, and that low moment become the highest moment of your life. I remember years ago now, a man sat in my office, and materially, he had had everything in life that this world would want to offer. Relationships, houses, fame, fortune. In relation to life and success, it seemed as if he had it all. But he came to my office at a low moment because irrespective of what life promises, irrespective of what material things offer, a form of success, they are fleeting. They really are. This man sits in my office and he tells me his success story. He tells me about all of the acquirements and acquisitions of life that he had gained, and yet he was empty. He was empty. He was a gambler, he was an alcoholic. He had various addictions, and all of the acquisitions that he had made gave him no strength to, go to combat the inner condition that he was battling with. I asked him, what was his biggest win? as he gambled his riches away. And he claimed 25,000 pounds. Imagine winning that on the horses. And then he said, Dave, do you know what? An hour later, I lost it all. Life's a bit like that sometimes. With this hand, it can promise you everything. And with this hand, it can suddenly take it away from you. Well, 
That day, that man was at a very low point in his life until Jesus came into his heart and made the lowest moment of his life into the highest moment. You see, when Jesus comes into your life, that low moment that you're going through becomes a high moment because he changes everything. He changes the very, the very workings of your heart. I love Psalm 102 because it was written by a great king, King David, as many of you would be aware of. A great king, a man who was successful, a man that was materially rich. He did not want anything. He had everything that this life could offer, everything. There wasn't anything that he did not have or that he couldn't attain. He had money, land, a palatial home, and homes. He had prestige and honor that goes with being the king of a country. This man had everything, far more than probably all of us amassed together. His material worth, King David's material worth, was far greater than any of us could imagine. And yet, in Psalm 102, verse 9, this great king who wanted for nothing said these words. Psalm 102, verse 9. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. These are the words of a man that had everything. These are the words that a man, of a man who lacked nothing. Everything that this world could offer, everything that this world could afford a man, this man had. And yet, in Psalm 102, verse 9, this man, with all of his material wealth, is eating ashes like bread. And crying to such a degree that the very drink that he drank was mingled with the tears that he cried. That's a very graphic picture. From the depths of a man's heart, David is telling us that everything that he held of value, everything that was precious in his life had been burned and consumed to dust and ash. And by saying that he had eaten ashes for bread, David is telling us that the very taste of his life that had once been joyful and full of peace and full of happiness and full of fulfillment in material things had turned and evaporated away in bitter pain. 
areas of David's life had crumbled. And his life had been, become dry to taste. This king was at a low moment in life. But it's amazing in the story of life how a loving God comes and intersects with the pain, the sorrow, the sadness, and the difficulties that we are in. And that's what we see. Whilst we see David at a very low moment in life, as he focuses his heart and his trust and his faith in God again, we find God intersecting into his life and changing the whole picture of what was happening. After considering his loss and his hopeless state, David turned his hope and his heart to placing his faith on God to rebuild what had been destroyed. Listen to his words in Psalm 102, verse 16 to verse 18, just a little bit on down the page. David says this, and this is his confidence in the Lord. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. David doesn't rise up in his own strength and say, I will rebuild my life. No, he's at a low point in his life. And in true humility and honesty, he acknowledges that. He acknowledges that there's forces in life, circumstances that are bigger than him that he cannot control that have a greater power than his ability to contend with. And he places his faith and his trust in Jesus, in Jehovah. And he says, over to you. You will rebuild Zion. And along with Zion, you'll rebuild me. The Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. Listen to this, verse 17. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. You can't get any more destitute than eating ashes for bread and drinking from your cup that's been stained with tears. But David, with fresh hope, not in self-strength, but in true dependence, on God says, you'll rebuild Zion, you'll rebuild me along with Zion, and you'll respond. Not only will you rebuild, but you will respond to this destitute man that seems to be at a hopeless place, having a collection of all of these material things around me, and yet inside my heart, I know that I'm empty. You'll respond to my prayer. And then he says this. Because he looks out on life and he knows that his experience and his words are going to apply to countless masses of people long after 
he's gone. He says, he will not despise their plea. Let this be written for future generation. That a people yet not created may praise the Lord. That's talking about you and I and everybody else that came and arose after David. Everybody else that would have a low moment in life, that would be at a destitute place where everybody had given up on. David wrote these very words to give us all hope that God would rebuild our lives. And not only would he rebuild our lives, but he would respond to our pleas and our prayers that we may praise the Lord. The woman that we talked about just earlier, who had that issue of blood for 12 years. She was at a hopeless place. She'd gone to aid, to every physician that she knew. She'd spent all she had in the hope of getting well. She lost all of her money because of her plague and her issue of blood, and she grew worse. And yet, when she reached out, simple faith. She couldn't make any promises to Jesus. She didn't even talk to him. She just reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Suddenly she was made whole. Suddenly everything changed. Her whole life story, her history, suddenly came under the control of a greater power, a power to bless her, a power to give her life, a power to give her peace, a power to bring healing and wholeness into her body. That's what happened to her. That's what happened to David. And that is what happens to you and I when we're in that low place of life. When we need and we plead, we cry out in prayer to God. There may be areas of your life today as we come to a close that are nothing more than a pile of ashes. A past relationship that ended in pain and separation. And the memory of that experience is like eating ash. It could be sickness that's broken down your health or the health of a loved one. And now just getting through the day is a challenge. Not knowing what's at the end of the day because your life hangs in the balance. And the experience of joy and happiness and peace and what life should be, a great experience, something to be celebrated and excited about, has become like dry ash every day. You eat ashes like bread. Well, that's going to change. Because God takes no pleasure in anybody eating ashes for bread. He loves like Jesus said, for us to receive every word from his mouth like living bread. Hallelujah. And his word from his mouth isn't like ash. It's alive to give us hope 
and to give us life. The picture of your life could be wealthy and healthy. To everybody around you, you could be a story of success. Wonderful. It's great. But inside, the story is very different. The picture deep in your heart is a very different one to the picture that everybody sees and to what all of your worldly assets portray. Drive a big car, live in a big house, fly from here to there, have lots of money in the bank. I, I, I rejoice for you. Wonderful. But do a health check on your heart. How's things going on in there? What's happening deep inside? Where all of those material things cannot reach the need. Cannot bring you peace. Cannot bring you comfort. Cannot relieve the pain. Cannot answer the questions that you hold. If that's the case, firstly, you need to understand God loves you very much. He loves you very much. He doesn't want you to eat ashes like bread or to have your tears stain the drink that you drink. He wants your life to be full, to be abundant, and to be God-centered. You see, without God outside, without God at the center, life can be sustained for a while. But slowly it begins to perish. Slowly it begins to erode. Slowly you begin to see the big cracks that are there. But when Jesus is at the center, listen, when Jesus is at the center, the story the picture is very different. I want to finish with a final scripture in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Because today, after listening to what I've said, you may be asking the question, well, how can I get to God? How can I get to God? Well, the answer is very simple. You don't have to get to God. Because God, in the person of Jesus Christ, comes right to your door. Amen. You can't get to his door. He comes to your door. Do you know that's how much he loves you? That's how, how, how important you are. He loves you so much that he takes it upon himself to visit you. If the queen turned up at your front door, you'd think you were really special. You'd think you'd really privileged. You'd think, wow, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and it's happening to me. Listen, today, 
And I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Queen. I love the Queen. I think she's a fantastic lady. I really do. So I don't mean to be disrespectful, but somebody greater than the Queen is standing, knocking at your door. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus Christ. And I know that because this is what the Bible says. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, listen to these words. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. When you open the door of your heart, you simply do it as an act of faith. Jesus will come into your heart. He will not look around and complain about the color of the carpet or the derelict state that your heart is in. The empty, derelict, dirty, sinful state. I know that from personal experience, when he came into my heart, it was a derelict heart, an empty, sinful heart. I opened the door, and he brought everything with him. I had nothing. He brought heaven into my heart. And today, you may be here, and I labor with this point, because Everything about today is a message that conveys God's goodness, God's love, God's saving power, and His presence and readiness to come into our lives. Today, Jesus stands at the door of your heart, and He knocks. If you'll hear His voice, and open your heart as we have read he will come in and you will experience new life salvation and a miracle will take place from this day forward I'm going to pray right now maybe today you're going to place your trust in Jesus you say, but I can't make any big promises good. None of us can either. God makes all the promises. He promises, if you will, but simply open the door of your heart. And that simply means, Jesus, I place my trust in you now to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to come into my life. I don't want to live without you anymore. I want you to be the peace that I need. You're the end of my search. And I accept that. I want my life to be in you. I trust you. Let me give you a simple definition of trust. 
came in here this morning and you sat down on the seat that you're sitting on right now. You didn't look at the seat and do a mathematical equation as to whether the seat could hold your weight. No, you trusted that all of those calculations had been made and you plonked yourself down on the seat and you've been resting, relaxing all of your weight on that chair on which you're sitting. Why? Because you trust it. You trust it. Let me tell you, when you trust Jesus, serious, when you trust Jesus, he will never fail you. Never. You can trust him with the most intimate secrets, the most intimate fears, the most complexing thoughts, emotions, feelings, circumstances, the future. You can trust him with it all. And I'm telling you now, he will never fail you. Like I said, 37 years. I failed him lots. Give him lots. Thank you, Steve. I've given him lots of reasons why to move. I've given him lots of reasons why he should move out of this house. But he's in for good, in to stay. I'm going to pray right now. You're going to place your trust in Jesus. You recognize that he's knocking on the door of your heart today. And as you pray with me a simple prayer, miracles going to take place. You're going to have peace that passes understanding. And the end of your search is here in this moment of meeting where Christ intersects with your story, your life story. Why don't you repeat this simple prayer with me right now, quietly in your heart, privately in your heart. Say this, Jesus Today, I call on you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need saving. And I ask you to save me from my sin. And make me new. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. So that I would not be judged. I believe you rose from the dead. To give me new life. And now I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come in. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, a miracle has taken place. A miracle in the moment that you prayed it has taken place in your heart. And if you prayed that prayer, maybe... 
If somebody's brought you a friend or a family member, let that family member know the prayer that you've prayed so that they can support you and help you in your journey. Or one of us, come and see us. We'd love to see you. If, you, if you've not been here before, we'd love to be part of the journey, on the journey with you as a church family to help you and support you in your decision now to follow Jesus. And before you leave, We'd love to give you a Bible, a New Testament, and a stories book about testimonies that people have experienced in this place as they've just placed their trust in Jesus. We'd love to send you away with that this morning. But God bless you this morning. Hasn't it been a great service? Amen. Amen.